children's church and Brother Paul and Miss Kim are watching over them today. Um, and we can turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 1. That's where we'll be at. Um, I'm wearing cowboy boots, y'all. And you know, isn't that weird? Uh, so here's the deal. Um, so um, my friend uh, Jack Wisdom... Um, Brittany and I were able to see he and Diana on Monday, which was really sweet. Um, and, uh, and I'll just give you all this word before I continue with my story. Y'all know J Diana uh, decided to stop um, her treatment. And uh, they were able to say, she said, hey, I just want you to know, she goes, it's actually kind of a relief for us right now just to know this is where we're at and we don't have more treatment. And she said, and we're really at peace with this decision and so um, let's continue praying for them uh, at this time but uh, we got to go see them and uh, we we're so thankful for a time to see them but Jack walks in with these boots and a few years ago he did uh, a songwriting project with a um, uh, with Brad Boyer who's uh, who was working for Republic Boots at that time and so Brad was like well let me make you a custom pair of boots and um, and uh, he made them just a little too small for Jack and so Jack said, I don't know if they're going to fit you well. And I was like, I'll make them fit. <laughs> they, so, uh, so, he, so there's a couple things going on. I just thought, man, I got some new boots and they're not going to get worn out or worn in sitting in my closet. So whenever, when else am I going to wear them? You know, I wear my Hirachis throughout the week. So uh, I'll wear them this morning. And then also um, I was kind of channeling some Jack Wisdom energy whenever I um, wrote the introduction to my, my message the other day. Um, and I, I don't know if y'all know that sometimes, sometimes, uh, Jack's voice gets in my brain whenever I'm writing stuff out or if I'm speaking and, um, and so, uh, so I felt like some Jack wisdom energy and I was like, yeah, I have to wear the boots this morning. So, uh, are y'all good with the boots? Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, so listen, we've had a, a good time worshiping and singing and, uh, we're thankful for that. Um, but uh, we're about to uh, we're about to embark upon the word of God uh, that He's written and preserved for us, uh, and He's going to tell us about the uh, the living Word of God that came, the Man Christ Jesus, and uh, and I pray that I'm not the only one speaking today. I pray that it's breathed out through the uh, through the uh, breathed Word of God, the Holy Spirit, this morning. And so uh, that's what I want to do right now is I want to bow before the Lord. And just ask that uh, as we go to his word, that we would receive it in written form, that we receive it from the living testimony of Christ and from the breathed word of the spirit. Before I pray, maybe you just need a moment right there to say a word or two to the Lord yourself. And give you a second just to do that. Oh, Lord God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this people and for this place. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your son, for your spirit. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would just be with us this morning. 
as we uh, as we come to your word and Lord and the message from your word. I pray that we would receive your word today. Uh, Lord, where we struggle to receive it, uh, maybe not because we're so obstinate, we might be obstinate, but maybe just where we struggle because we know it's a challenge, it really is hard. I pray that you would, you would give us the encouragement that we need and the strength that we need to accept it. Uh, Lord, where, where, where it's hard for us to, uh, for our hearts to uh, receive your word, I pray that you would, you would soften our hearts, Lord. Uh, God, I, and I do pray, like, if we are obstinate, if we are just hard-headed, if we're stiff-necked, Lord, uh, I pray that you would just continue to be patient with us in your love and in your mercy. And that, Lord, you would continue to wisely work so that you can, uh, <laughs> you can turn our hard hearts, Lord. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that uh, uh, you will be honored and glorified uh, today. I pray that we will be strengthened, equipped, comforted, uh, counseled today. Uh, and Lord, I pray that when we uh, receive from you today, uh, will be uh, good for us to apply to our lives this week so that we can continue being living witnesses of uh, this lively good news, Lord. I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> I think we should address a fear that we all share. We all share the same fear, do we not? That fear is hard times. Are you in agreement with me? Uh, we do not want hard times for any reason. Uh, and in the context of our series, I think you and I definitely do not want hard times because we lack the authority or influence in our society to prevent them. Would you agree with that? <laughs> but such is the case for exiled individuals, is it not? Not only do we not want hard times be, to come because we lack authority, we don't want the authority, uh, we don't want the people in authority to make hard times for us. And as I look about, around I, and I uh, 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 examine <laughs> and I listen, uh, in my experience, what I'm finding is that one of the chief fears that many, many people in this world, but many Christians in America are facing right now is the loss of ruling power or authority or influence in our culture. Uh, maybe you should think about that for a second. Is this a fear that you have? Right? We used to live in this Judeo-Christian culture and what has happened is Kind of what I hear people saying. Uh, uh, we used to uh, be the ones who had influence on our society and we're, we're losing our influence. Oh no. Uh, now, I do not disagree that uh, 
maybe that we are, <laughs> but I also don't disagree that there should be fear attached to this. I'm, this is not a message to say, well, there's no reason for you to be afraid of any of these things. Um, uh, the Gospels, Jesus never says, there's no reason for you, not, for you to be afraid whenever you're brought before kings and powers and rulers. We talked about this uh, in a devotion a few weeks ago. Uh, there is reasonable uh, worries and concerns uh, whenever you do not have uh, authority, uh, influence, or power. Uh, there are reasonable concerns for that. Uh, but, uh, but today, uh, as we come to the text, my question is, how do we face hard times that are happening and hard times that might be coming for us? Not just how do I as an individual, uh, you know, face a tough time uh, whenever I'm going to work. But how do I, as a disciple, as a spirit-filled uh, uh, believer in Jesus, how do I face hard times in a way that is faithful to my Lord and to my testimony? How do we face hard times? Well, um, I will borrow something from Jack that he told us a few years ago, and I think it's good, wise counsel. Um, a couple summers ago, he said, you know, uh, Christians, uh, as we see ourselves maybe in, 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 uh, afraid or, or fearing the loss of influence, power, control in our society, he said, one thing that we cannot do, we do not get the right to do this. We don't have the privilege to do this, and we should just wisely understand it's not good for us to do. But he said, we do not uh, have the privilege of playing the victim card or whining about it. I agree with him. But our dear friend Peter offers, rather instead of playing the victim card, whining about it, uh, instead of throwing up our hands in despair, instead of picking up arms and fighting over it, our dear friend Peter says that we could face hard times uh, with dignity because we can face it with this awareness that such times uh, are a proving ground for our faith. They reveal whether or not our faith is genuine. Um, and so this morning, as I think about this, and we'll read this in the text, some questions come to mind. One of the foundational things of our faith is that Jesus is in ruling authority over heaven and earth at this present moment. When we lose influence, control in our society, uh, and we face hard times because of that, uh, it puts to test our, our faith and has us ask this question, do we really believe that at this present moment Jesus is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. Another question that it brings to us is this. Do we really believe that you and I are called to genuine love, patience, kindness, generosity, hospitality, and honor towards other people 
including, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, including corrupt rulers and authorities. Uh, those who might wield their power to make hard times for us. Do we really believe uh, that uh, your political opponents and foes uh, deserve your honor and your respect and your prayer and your good glad tidings and your good wishes? Or do they deserve your smear campaign on social media? Do they deserve you to, uh, you know, uh, uh, mock them, rail against them? These questions, as I've presented them, uh, don't really call for rapid responses, do they? Rather, these questions call for sober reflection. And I want us to reflect on these questions as we read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses... Uh, we'll, we'll read verses uh, 3 through 9, but we're going to highlight on verses uh, 6 through 9. Brother Will, it's up there. Uh, Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, that is reserved in heaven for you, you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We looked at this a few weeks ago, Peter. Is, very happy here. Listen, we have great reason to rejoice and to bless God because we have, through our faith in Jesus and his resurrection, we have been given new life. You've been born again. Uh, you are now, you are not just born again, you are born as new citizens with a new, a, a, into a new kingdom. You've been born into a new family with a new inheritance. And let me just tell you about this inheritance. This inheritance is reserved in heaven for you and you are kept by the power of God through your faith unto salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. And then Peter picks up in verse number uh, four, uh, uh, verse number six, he says, wherein, he says, for these reasons, we greatly rejoice, right? But he says, though for now, he goes, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And about Christ, he says, whom having not seen, you love. And whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And in picking up in verse 10, he will go on to talk about that salvation a little bit more. But we'll stop right there. Peter says about these hard times that you and I might face, especially hard times that you and I might face because we identify as chosen exiles. He says about these hard times uh, that you and I can take, uh, we can face them with great courage and with great dignity because what these hard times do, these hard times have a way of trying and 
putting to the test whether or not our faith is genuine. So this is what Peter's encouragement is. You have an opportunity presented before you anytime you face a hard time to prove that you truly do believe what you say you believe. Now, here's what I would say today. I wish it didn't take hard times to prove that I really believe what I say I believe. But do we know? But could we consider it this way? How else, how else would we be able to reveal that you and I really believe what we believe? How else could it be done? Because our faith is rooted in this reality that Jesus uh, suffered and died on a cross. Our faith is rooted in this call of Jesus for us to suffer and, and, and follow him in the suffering death on the cross. Our faith is rooted in this. So how else could we say we believe that we trust in such a faith were it not that you and I were to have to face the loss and the hardness, the brokenness, uh, the maddening, frustrating, uh, uh, infuriating hostility of this world. Do you follow me there? We trust that Jesus, who was raised from death, uh, got to this place of resurrection by going the way of the cross. And yet, we want everybody, we want the world to know this, and yet, sometimes you and I think that we can testify to this only when things are going well. And we are often so surprised, and it shouldn't be a surprise, that actually our testimony is really the strongest. It's really the brightest, it's really the sharpest when things are not going well. Uh, I give for an example our friend uh, Karen Risch, my brothers and sisters. Have we not been so impressed by this woman over these last few months? Have we not? We've, uh, I've just been amazed time after time that she shows up on Sunday morning and sits in the seat, and her husband is not there to sit next to her, nor is her son. Wow, my dear sister, you are something. You are something amazing. And you are a testimony to your brothers and sisters. And I can tell you this, I never thought that, uh, I learned so much from you growing up uh, through Children's Church. I can still sing uh, 10 and 9, 8 and 7, 6 and 5 and 4, uh, you know, whatever. <coughs> 3 and 2 coming through the clouds on bridal ray. The countdown's getting low. Anyways, <laughs> countdown song. <coughs> but I can tell you this. Uh, <laughs> and this doesn't come from a place of arrogance at all. Man, your faith has wowed me. Just wowed me. 
these last several months. And I've heard others say the same. Uh, I wish, I wish it didn't take loss and brokenness and heartache and us facing the hostilities of this world. But it does. It does because what you and I believe is that Jesus, who is ruling and reigning today, arrived at his reign through the suffering death on the cross. What that means is his faith was proved genuine by facing a really hard time. Do we track that? The resurrection is the validation of his faith, of his, uh, of his authority, uh, of his testimony, of his witness. It's the validation, it's the vindication of that. So, here's what I see happening in this present moment amongst a lot of Christians, and this is where my pastoral heart comes out. Uh, yes, you and I face a lot of various hard times in our lives that prove our faith, but uh, by and large, as a, as, a, as a cultural moment right now, and it's been going on for a while, is uh, as we are being threatened with losing, with losing influence in, in our society, I don't see Christians facing this with great dignity and courage saying, hey, bring on the hard times because we're gonna prove to you that we genuinely believe that Jesus is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. What I see Christians doing is looking much like the scared, uh, uh, cowardly world that we live in that says, I need to get, uh, you know, I need to, uh, <laughs> if, we, if we lose authority, what's going to happen? The sky is going to fall. And in such things, I see Christians doing some things that we should not be doing. Violently taking up arms. Uh, I see Christians... Um, uh, 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 using all the same uh, sarcastic, uh, uh, hateful rhetoric that non-Christians are using. Uh, I see Christians, um, you know, coding their language whenever, uh, instead of saying, you know, blank that person, they code their language and everybody celebrates it and goes, oh yeah, you got them. I see Christians uh, smearing other people. I see Christians um, uh, so afraid to love people who look different than them, who act different than them. I see Christians who are uh, being swept up in believing that man alive, I'll tell you what, they are about to make all of our kindergartners transgender. I see Christians just afraid for their lives that these things are going to happen and the only way that they think that they can fight it is with all the tools and tactics of this world. And my brothers and my sisters, all I want us to say, all I want us to know is that we cannot use the tools and tactics of this world. We cannot. We will not prove a thing except for we really don't trust that Jesus is ruling and reigning right now at the right hand of the Father. So, how do I prove that I know that Jesus is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father right now? 
for one, uh, uh, let me just say this. For one, I think every day we need to wake up and we need to remind ourselves, no matter what news I read today, no matter what terrible things are said, I know who's in authority. I know who's in authority. Uh, For two, I think we need to take that step back and go, and remember, how did he get in authority? He did not get in authority by stealing it from somebody else. He did not get in authority by, by, by punking somebody and making them look dumb, right? He did not look, get in authority by using the tactics of this world. He got in authority by, as Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, by surrendering his authority and surrendering himself to the authorities, to the hostile authorities, and all the vile things that they wanted to do to him. And it was through that that God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every uh, knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. You and I are being called at this present time to surrender our pride, our pomp, all of our, our, uh, maybe all of our collateral, if you will. We might be called to surrender that and to surrender to hostile authorities so that we can, so that we can reveal that we do not bow or fear their authority. We have a greater authority in heaven. Peter, James, and John were brought before the council, the Sanhedrin, 70 bad (laughs) authoritative People, like by bad, I don't mean bad. I mean like these are people that you should be afraid of in Jerusalem because they have the authority. They were brought before them. authority none other so every morning we wake up and remind ourselves that he is in authority we remember how he got into his place of authority and we follow him right we pick up our cross every day follow him and every day if he's in authority we submit and we surrender to his authority And if we're going to do that, let's remember our marching orders. To those people who are enemies towards you, Jesus says in Matthew chapter number uh, six. Those people who are your enemies, who've made themselves enemies to to you. uh, Jesus says, uh, bless them. To those people who persecute you. And say all manner of wickedness against you. Jesus says, pray for them. 
my brothers and my sisters, that gets to the question, that second question that we ask. Do we really believe that we are called to genuine love, to hospitality, to generosity, to uh, 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 honor, to patience, to exercise self-control against other people, including those people who might use their power and authority to make a hard time for us. If Jesus is ruling and reigning, and you and I believe that, then uh, you and I should not fear the authorities of this world as much as we do. We should ultimately honor and rightfully, reverently fear the authority of our liberating King Jesus. You and I. You and I can march on through hard times for whatever cause And you and I can prove that our faith is genuine. Now, the last thing that I want to say this morning, what is the effect of your faith being proved genuine? This is, I think, very important. Uh, Peter has already assured them through your faith, you are kept by the power of God. So whenever we get to this point and Peter says, hey, your faith is going to be proved genuine, I think we need to stop and we need to reflect on that for a second and go, what is the effect of that? Well, Peter says in <clears throat> verse number seven, he says, uh, the trying of your faith it's much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, even when gold is tried with fire. And he says, the trial of your faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There are various ways that people have translated this, various ways that people have interpreted this. Some people say, hey, the trying of your faith proves that your faith is genuine so that when Jesus Christ appears, you will receive praise, honor, and glory. And listen, I think God is going to say to us, well done, my faithful servant. That is high praise, is it not? But I have very, very strong, uh, uh, very strong inclination that Peter is not talking about your praise, honor, or glory, or my praise praise, honor, and glory, but he is talking about praise, honor, and glory given to God not by you and me, but by the people that our lives are a living testimony to, that our genuine faith is revealed to. That you and I, our genuine faith is not, the effect of our genuine faith is that we are a bona fide witness of our liberating King Jesus and our loving God and his gracious Holy Spirit. You and I, we are the effect of our, our, our faith being genuine if God receives praise, honor, and glory by those who other
eyes would never give him praise, honor, and glory. So my brothers and my sisters, as we go out this week and we think, okay, I want to prove my faith genuine. It's not for you and me to get a gold star of genuine faith. We don't get the genuine faith merit badge. That's not what we're fighting for. We want our faith to be proved genuine so that that person who would otherwise not know that God loves them with an everlasting love will know that God loves them with an everlasting love. That person who would think there is no way that God would accept me into his family. I'm too great a sinner that we would say there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, right? That we could sit down next to that trans person and say, hey, let's have this conversation. Do you know that God loves you flat out, period, right now, just as you are? Well, preacher, does he? Did he love you flat out when you, before you trusted Jesus? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, he did. Well, guess what? No different. Newsflash. Not any different at all. No way. Uh, Dr. Boone, I think about you. You get to live life with some very different characters, don't you? Y'all know he does uh, uh, drug abuse uh, uh, or uh, the disease of drug addiction. Uh, He does counseling and therapy, and he's a medical doctor there uh, at uh, La Hacienda. And if you need anybody uh, to be referred anywhere, that's the place to go. And he's the man to see. He's helped so many people. Uh, Dr. Boone, Are you allowed to sit there and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to help you because you're different than me? Or does your faith compel you to say, man, I want them to see in me that God loves them and wants to rescue them? I bet you have some fun stories, don't you? (laughs) I bet you do. So listen, here's, I I want to point that out because some of you go, I don't know how to sit down with somebody who's different. I bet you could talk to Dr. Boone. And he could go, you just don't treat them like they're different. <laughs> he would probably just say, you treat them like you would treat anybody else. Uh, like they're a human being. Like they're not an alien from, uh, you know, <laughs> from, from, from some uh, outer space, right? So my brothers and my sisters, I'll be done after this. I want to prove to y'all. Uh, well, I'll just, I'll just only say this. The reason why I don't think that Peter is saying the praise, honor, and glory is you and me getting the praise, honor, and glory. It's because all throughout Peter, the one who gets praise, honor, and glory is God. In chapter 2, verse 9, in chapter 2, verse 12, he says, actually, I want you to live as witnesses so that whenever others speak evil of you, they may, on the day of Jesus Christ, give glory to God. It's the same thing that he's saying there in verse number Uh, seven I believe but ultimately I like this verse in um, in uh, uh, chapter number four verse number 11 Uh, he says uh, as every man hath received a gift even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God he says if any man speaks let him speak as the oracles of God if any man minister let him do it as of the ability which God giveth so that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ because it's to him that all praise and dominion or, uh, 
because we want to give to him all praise and dominion forever and ever. So my brothers and my sisters, uh, I have strong inclination that Peter does not want us to prove our faith genuine so that you and I get merit badges, gold stars, or whatever. I have every inclination to believe this, that Peter wants you and I to live genuine, bona fide faith so that we can be living testimonies to people who do not and otherwise would not know that God loves them with an everlasting love, that he sent his son Jesus to rescue them and to give them forgiveness and to give them healing and that he graces us with his Holy Spirit those people who would otherwise not know these things so that they can know these things so that on the day when Jesus returns, we are standing with them giving praise, honor, and glory to the one, to, to the only one whom all praise, honor, and glory is due. And with that, I say, let's go live bona fide, genuine faithful testimonies that Jesus is an authority, that we are surrendered to his authority, and that in surrender to his authority, we are going to, we are going to love and bless and honor and welcome everybody, everybody in his name and for his sake. And all said, amen, amen. Will you bow with me? Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are.